What is going on, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we are going to be talking about entertainment of sin. We're going to be talking about how, you know, sometimes we entertain sin. Sometimes we allow sin to come in that doesn't belong there. And uh, this is a topic that is relatable to every man alive. So let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. What's going on, guys? What's going on? All right, here we go. Kyler, what's going on, brother? Hey, guys. What's happening? All right, so today we're going to be talking about entertainment of sin. Yes. You know, if, um, I again, I think that this is going to relate to every single man alive. You know, I think all of us have been caught in that that trap of entertaining sin, you know, and, uh, and allowing it to, to take a stronghold and, and stuff. And so, yeah, let's go Kyler. So have you ever, when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking, have you ever thought about the beginning of where you actually started out in your sin? Like where was the foundation created? Where was it at? And we talked many times about temptation and we talked about sin and we talked about giving into temptation. But have you ever thought about how from the very beginning you entertained that, how you allowed that to come in? And I chose to use the word entertainment because it's often think of entertainment as being right in front of us. Like it's something that is going to catch our eye. Like when we go to the movie theaters or we go to a concert, like we're watching a movie at home or we pop on Netflix or we get on YouTube, we watch YouTube shorts, like things that entertain us. But entertainment doesn't always mean that. It, It sometimes just is what, occupies your mind, what entertains your focus, what entertains where you are at yes. at that moment and what you allow to enter your space and what you allow to enter your mind. Entertainment isn't always at the forefront of your focus, but it's sometimes just in the back of your mind. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, how often, and just think about this in your head, how often do you maybe sit down to dinner and the TV's still playing in the background? Mm-hmm. Or how often do you go and you take a shower and you play music in the background? Or how often, and this may, might just be my family, I don't know. How often do you go to bed and you just leave the TV on for noise? And eventually what ends up happening are those things become habitual. They become something that we do all the time. They become something that just ends up happening and we don't really know what started it. We don't really know what prompted it. We don't really know how we got to this point where every time we we stop and go to dinner, the TV stays on in the background or when we go to take a shower, that music's always playing, or when we go to bed, that that we just leave the TV on. It just becomes something that just happens. It just becomes some part of that entertainment process that we just have that entertains our minds that we don't even know is entertaining our minds anymore. It's just something that we've allowed to come in and we've allowed to be something consistent that we have to have. And those things, they're, they're not our main focus. We're not focusing on the TV at dinner. Well, some of you guys are. It depends on if there's a football game on or not. Right. And you're listening in the background. Sorry. But, oh, Paco. There you go. But you, you don't realize that those things then start shifting your focus. They start shifting what you're looking at and they start developing into something that's going to overtake your, your focus. They are going to become the entertainment that you focus on. They're going to become not the back burner, but they're going to be at the for- forefront of your entertainment. And the hardest part about that is, is then it goes from our focus shifts in our mindset, our focus shifts from what's important to something else. So let's, let's take that TV. Let's take that, that dinner time. Eventually you stop eating at the table and you start going to eat in front of the TV. 
Mm-hmm. And we don't think that that's that big of a deal, but then you lose that family time. You lose that, that, that silence where value, valuable communication is held, valuable um, conversations are had. And what you do now is you change that focus and you, you go back to the entertainment that was in front of you. You go from one place to the other. And the hard part is we don't even know what started that. We don't even know how we got to sitting in front of the TV at dinner time. All we know is that one day mom was like, why don't we just go sit in front of the TV to walk, to have dinner? Or dad goes, you know what? I'm going to finish this game. I'm going to finish my dinner in here and the kids follow. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea how we got from this point to that point. And that's the hard part is as you think about all these things and you think about even like the music in the shower, like sometimes that's the, that's the time that I think the best. That's my prayer time. When I go into the shower, I go into battle. I go into battle for my family. I go into battle over everything that I'm dealing with because that is my time. And if I start taking every little crevice, even the quiet time, and I start playing noise and I start playing things, then I no longer have those times. I'm starting to entertain things that are not supposed to be at the forefront of my mind. And what we do without realizing it is we take God or even the small moments of God out of the forefront. We start putting those on the back burner because we start filling that with noise and we start filling it with everything else and we start creating strongholds. And the problem with those strongholds is, is we never actually get to the point where we deal with those strongholds, where those strongholds are no longer there. And there are seasons in our lives and there are seasons that we go through that we don't know strongholds are being created. We don't know strongholds are being built. But I was told there's a couple of seasons I've been going through recently and they're, they're hard seasons. And I've repeated those seasons and they're seasons that they have stuck with me and there's hurt and there's there's things in those seasons that that carry on and what i didn't notice is as i was going through those seasons the devil was building strongholds in those seasons he wanted me to go through those seasons multiple times because when you go through seasons multiple times and you go through the same season multiple times the devil is slowly creating strongholds if we don't deal with those seasons correctly we don't deal with those seasons how we're supposed to because the easiest thing for him to do is for him to help us go through a season and help us not to learn the lesson God wants us to learn. Because right. then what that allows us to do is it allows us to look at our our situation. It allows us to look at the, the, the problem that we're going through and say, God, what did I do? Why am I going through this season again? There was a season over the summer that I went through and my mother-in-law looked at me and she goes, no matter what season you go through, you always pray that you learn the lesson the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, why? And she was like, because here's how this works. If you don't learn this at the first time, God will make you do it the second time or the third time or the fourth time. But the problem with that is that gives the devil a chance to slowly come in and to slowly help us create those strongholds. And they're strongholds of resentment. They're strongholds of confusion. They're strongholds of, of abandonment. They are strongholds of that, that God's not there. And it gets our mind thinking. And as we think, the hard part is, is you feel alone. And that's one of the things that the the devil wants you to feel. He wants you to feel like you have nobody. He wants you to feel like there's nobody there that is going to take you into this place. That's going to take you into this next season. That's going to take you into any place that you, you, you should be. And the hard part about that is, is sometimes when we go through those seasons, it's because we've created strongholds that we didn't even know that we created. And the whole purpose of this is to is to think about your life, is to think that where did you come from? How did I get here? What started those strongholds? Because we as men, we have to make sure that we are not creating strongholds in our lives that are going to affect our generations to come after us. 
Because what ends up happening is they will then take those same strongholds and that will become something that they have. And eventually you'll get to your great, great grandson. They're like, how did I even get here? Mm -hmm. I don't even know. And the answer to that question was, we got here from my great, great grandfather because he allowed things in his life. He allowed strongholds. He allowed things to happen to him or he allowed things that he didn't mean to happen to him because he created the strongholds. And the problem that we, we face is that we don't deal with the strongholds that we have created. We just allow, we, we have become a generation that just adapts to our surroundings and we don't challenge the status quo. We don't challenge what's around us. We don't challenge what is good. But what we end up doing is we just go with the flow. We have come a, become a, a um, society of men who will sit down and we will cower at whatever is supposed to be right and whatever we're told is supposed to be right. And we'll just take that as truth. And the problem with that is, is that when we do that, then we, we don't know truth. We, we've skewed the truth. We have gone through the lines. And then that's, that's a stronghold that we've created. That's right. Because we've allowed culture to tell us what truth is instead of allow the word of God to determine what truth is. Yes. And James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully growing, birth forms death. Mm-hmm. And we'll read that again because it's a, it's a hard verse to take in and everybody needs to take it in. James 1, 14 to 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grows, brings forth death. And desire doesn't always look like something that we want. You know, oftentimes we think, you know, I desire that car or I desire a new house or I desire like those things. Sometimes our desires are just the small things. Like I desire to have a good job. I desire to, you know, I don't know, have a Diet Pepsi. I don't know, whatever. They're not always big things, but our desires, even though how big or small, they create those strongholds and they start creating those. And what it does is it puts different spirits within us. And what I want to do is I want to point out for just a second, some men in the Bible and they're, they're men that, you know, they are men that, um, what they did was they allowed sin to come in and they allowed sin to enter into their, their lives. They allowed sin to slowly creep into them. And these were God's chosen men. These were not men that were just, you know, picked out of the blue. They were men that God put up there. And the first one was King Solomon. And I'm going to kind of put, there's no order that I have these in, but King Solomon, he was known for his wisdom, but years later was marked by his disobedience to God's commands leading to idolatry and sin. And what happens is King Solomon, and this is from First uh, Kings 11, I believe. King Solomon, it says, however, loved many foreign, foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, including Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. They came from the nations about which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you must not enter into marriage with them and they must not enter into marriage with you or they will turn your hearts after gods. Solomon clung to them in love. He had 700 wives who held the rank of princesses and 300 concubines. So they turned his heart away. And Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible. Right. It was the one thing he was told not to do. Yes. And what he did is he slowly, this was over many, many years. He slowly allowed all these women, allowed all these different um, idolatrous things to come into his life. And it slowly brought him away from what God had commanded, from what God wanted him to do. And the hard part about that was, was God had great things in store for Solomon. 
He was supposed to finish everything that David didn't accomplish. He was supposed to finish everything that Saul didn't accomplish. All the kings before him, he had the promise that he was going to be able to fulfill all of that. I mean, he made a great temple. He made a great king's castle. But the problem was that stuff was no longer blessed because he turned away from God. And he didn't mean to. He had, when he was first king and he came in there, he had everything that he was doing right. He was praying to the Lord. He was doing everything. He was following the wisdom. I mean, when God asked him, I'll give you anything on earth, what do you want? He asked for wisdom. And he was like, you got it, dude. You can have it. But then what ends up happening is throughout his reign, he slowly allows all these different women. And I'm sure somebody listening can can attest to this one, that they, they, he allowed the wrong things to come in. He allowed the, the women to come in and to shift his view, to shift everything else. And those things created strongholds in his life. Right. Cause, cause that you can feel that with anything, right? Not just women. I mean, you can fill it with pictures. You can fill it with videos. You can fill it with hunting. You can fill it with video games. You can fill it with movies. You can fill it. I mean, it, it just, it just fill it in. It, it just, all that stuff brings a distraction yes. to what is important, which is the word of God. Yes. And what he did was he strayed from the the purpose. He strayed from the obedience of God. He strayed from what God told him to do. And if we back up, the second one's King David. Despite being a man after God's own heart, David's affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent events revealed his struggle with sin. I mean, if you look at David from the time that he was chosen, you know, David was the son of Jesse. He was the one that was out in the field. He Nobody thought he'd ever be king, you know. And from the time that he was chosen to the time that he became king, he, he dealt with a lot. I mean, he defeated Goliath when no one else thought he could defeat Goliath. I mean, he, I don't know how many times Saul tried to kill him. He had to go live in exile for a long time just to avoid Saul from killing him. I mean, he had so many different things rise up against him that you would assume that by the time he became king, he'd know what the heck he was doing and that God was on his side. And he would know that if God was there for him through this whole time, that God's going to continue to be there through the easy time for when he was king. But the hardest part for us sometimes, and the hardest part for me too, is it's really easy to see God in the battle. But once the victory is there, it's very hard to see if he stays. And God doesn't leave us. God doesn't make it any harder or any easier for us to see him when we're in the battle than when we're out of the battle. He's constant in season and out of season. The only thing that changes is us. That's right. But the hardest part is, is in the battle, we are our, our mindset is shifted. We are solely focused on God. And that's what I had to learn is that even outside of the battle, God is still fighting for us. It doesn't matter. He, he is waging a war against the devil and against our sins every single day of our lives. But what the hard problem is, is when we are in the battle, we can see God working. We can see God moving in the midst. And then we get out of the battle. And we forget that God had the victory in the first place, that God was leader of the victory, that it wasn't us, that it was never us. We forget how hard we had to rely on him in the battle and that's how hard we need to rely on him in the victory too because without the victory we never would have been able to see god through everything because what that does is that shapes our vision and that's what we do when things get hard when things get tough we we turn to god but when things are going well we stop and that's the hard part and there's many other things that david did in his life too i mean he took a census to determine the size of the army instead of trusting god uh, he 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 I mean, sent out Uriah, that's the name. He sent out Uriah to be killed in battle so he could have Bathsheba as his wife. I mean, there's so many different things that he did during his life that that once he was king that he should have known better than to do because he was a man after God's own heart. 
And if you are a man after God's own heart, that means that you're pretty obedient, I feel. I mean, that may not be how it actually was, but I feel if God is desiring you as one of his own, that you're you're pretty close to God. Like you, you're, you pretty much have what he's looking for in a guy. And that comes with obedience, that comes with discernment, that comes with everything else too. And there's other ones that were close to him too. Um, but let's take a break for a second, then we're gonna come back and we'll continue talking about these men. But then we're gonna talk about the strongholds that we can allow, that we can build, that we may not even know that we are building when we get back. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Frank, are you good enough to get into heaven? Oh, sure. You know, someday you're going to stand before God. Oh, I'll do all right. Okay. Have you ever told a lie? Everybody does. So according to God's standard? You're a liar. Oh, what? No, I'm not. Well, you told a lie. The Ten Commandments say not to. Therefore, you're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, I borrowed a few things. Did you give them back? No. Okay, so far you're a lying thief. Wait a minute. How can I defend myself against those kinds of standards? These are just two of God's commandments. There are more. Well, you make me sound really bad. Frank, compared to most people, you are a wonderful person. But the standard is not other people. It's God. Well, then nobody measures up. Right. That's why we need a Savior, someone to pay the penalty of not measuring up for us. And that Savior is Jesus. So, standing before God without Jesus is not a good idea? I wouldn't try it. Another message from Lifeline Productions, located on the web at lifelinepro.com. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, welcome back. Yeah, so as we continue talking about, you know, the sin and, and the, the entertainment of sin and strongholds and, and all these different things, uh, it brings to remembrance, uh, you know, our pastor, uh, this past Sunday was talking about, you, you know, he, he kind of opened his message with some really hard stuff. Uh, you know, he was talking about the different pastors and different people in leadership roles who have failed morally. You know, some of them have, uh, you know, committed suicide because of it. Some of them, you know, in jail time, you, you know, and all these different things, these, these pastors, youth pastors, worship pastors who left the faith, who have been, you know, been in trouble for, uh, having a moral failure, you know, um, uh, you know, sleeping with women or, you know, having, you know, even things with children and stuff like that, you know. And so you, you go through all of this and you see nothing's really changed, right? You, so, you, you know, we see Solomon, we see, we see um, uh, David. And even though it seems like he has, it has compounded, it's all the same issue, yes. right? It, it's allowing sin to come into your mind and allowing it 
to permeate throughout your entire being what you think you will eventually do, right? And so, you know, and I may be getting ahead of the game, but my favorite scripture is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. It is something that that every one of us have got to have got to understand. We've got to know. It says, we use God's, and this is the NLT verse, it says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. You know, and the the uh, King James Version talks about bringing every thought underneath the captivity of Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, and that is what we have to do because, again, you know, what you look at, especially you look at David, right? And how did, how did that, the, the affair with Bathsheba, how did it start? Just by a look. But just by a look. By a little thought. Yeah, he, he, seen, her, he seen her bathing on top of her, uh, on, top, on a roof, and he thought, Oh man, right? How many how many days do you think that? And of course, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I mean, just think about it. How many days do you think he watched her take a bath before action took place? Creeper, right? <laughs> yeah, you know how, how many how many times? You know, he it, it, I guarantee you, it didn't happen just one time. He's like, oh, I want to have sex with her. Yeah, you know, I you know he would go out there and be like, oh man, she bathes every time the same day, so I want to make sure that I'm up in my room, or I'm going to make sure I'm in this one spot so I can watch. And it's like, man, I'd really, oh my goodness, I'd really like to have her. Oh my goodness, she is so beautiful. Oh my goodness, you know, I'm king. I think I can make this happen. You think I, you know, begin to think, can I get away with this? What would have happened if he'd have been like, I shouldn't be looking at this. Lord, forgive me. And turn around and walk away. Right. The, the, the pain that he would have saved himself, right? Right. You know, you look at the consequences of that. Uh, you know, his he, losing children and, you know, I mean, there was so much bad things that happened because of this one sin, right? You know, and, uh, but instead he allowed that thought to, to begin to grow and to grow and to grow until he could no longer control it. Yes. I mean, think about that. How many times have we as men had a thought that grew and grew and grew and grew and we entertained it and we entertained it to the point to, that it is out of control. Right? Yes. We've all done it. We've all had those thoughts, you know, because then then you, you have this thought and you've you've entertained it, you've entertained it, you've entertained it, then all of a sudden you're like, man, I know I shouldn't be thinking this, but then you've already you've already allowed it to stay there so long that that it conquers. Mm-hmm. The thought that, you know, well, it doesn't belong there. Then you're like, well, you, you know, you come up with excuses like, well, you know, I've already gone this far. Might as well just go the rest of the way, right? Yes. You know, or, you know, some kind of bullcrap lie that we make up, you know, that, that either we make up for ourselves or Satan, you know, puts in our ears, yes. it, you know, and, and then, and then it just can, then it just snowballs, you know, just like, just like David, the next thing you know, you get the woman in your bed and you're figuring out crap now she's pregnant how can i get rid of this then you have a guy killed and you, the whole situation is out of control because of one single thought yes you know the bible's got a name for that right what's that and i didn't know that until this it's called the presumptuous sin the, yeah, yes the presumptuous sin and actually david talks about this in psalms psalm 19 he says keep back thy servants also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me 
then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So, and this is, I'm just reading this from one of the blogs called Coffee with the Lord. I kind of like it, but it says presumptuous sin is a funny thing. It takes things into its own hands. It doesn't ask for guidance. It operates on human hunches. It looks at circumstances and acts based upon the way things appear. It mixes, this is the part that I like, it mixes some religious insights with human reasoning. Okay, so it's gray in that line. It rationalizes disobedience. It defends itself on partial truths when confronted with obvious rebellion. It is convinced that to sacrifice is better than obedience and that it is easier to ask for forgiveness than just to obey. Mm. And I was like, wow. Wow. Like that just called out everybody. That's it. There is not one thing under the sun that does not fall under that. Because here's the problem is we know what's wrong and we still do it. Yeah. Oh gosh, aren't we guilty of that? And that's the hard part. And the reason I was looking at this is because the next person I wanted to point out was Saul. Saul, after being anointed king of Israel, was guilty of it. It cost him everything. He What he was supposed to do is he was supposed to wait. So back in those times, they were not allowed to offer sacrifices. Only the priests could offer sacrifices. And so Saul was about to go into battle and he was mad and he was tired of waiting on Samuel to get there. And so what he does is he goes in and he offers. He was supposed to wait eight days, okay, in order for this offering to be made. But he was growing impatient of waiting on Solomon to get there. Not Solomon, Samuel, I'm sorry. He was getting impatient of Samuel to get there to offer it up. And so what he does is he goes in and he offers it up. And he knew he was not supposed to. He knew that this wasn't right. He knew that that was not what was supposed to happen. He knew that that was not the order. And if you don't know anything about God, God is the God of order. And he's the God of, if he's created something to be a certain way, he expects that thing to be done that certain way. Whether that's marriage, whether that's life, whether that's in leadership, whatever it is, if he's outlined it in the Bible and he has created it, he wants it that way. So when Saul went in and he decided that he was going to go in and offer the sacrifice for himself, he was doing it out of the order of God. And so then what he did is he said, you have Saul comes, Samuel says to Saul, he says, you have done foolishly. You have not commanded, you have not kept the command of the Lord, which he commanded for you. For when the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. How many times through a presumptuous sin have we not got what the Lord has wanted to bless us with? Mm. That's a scary thought. Well, think about it. Like how many times, because we chose to take the path that we wanted, the path that we thought was going to be the easiest, the path that didn't require patience. How many times do we choose that path over the path that God outlined for us if we just would have waited? God doesn't call us to fight battles. He already has the victory for us. He gives us tools to fight a battle with him, but he never says wage a war. He says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Anybody who rises up against you, he has equipped us with the Holy Spirit. And, the, and I was told this today, actually. The Holy Spirit gives us everything that we need to fight and to win and to conquer a battle. He is giving you God right there with us. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be the comforter, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us at all times, to lead God and direct us and to teach us to do what the Bible says to do. And oftentimes what we do is we try to act in place of the Holy Spirit. We try to act in place of what we think is right. And instead of just stopping and listening and being patient, 
we decide that we want to go forth and we want to offer the sacrifice for God. And that is not our turn. It is not our place. It is not what God wants us to do. And in all this, what we're doing is we're creating strongholds. And I want to name some of these strongholds for you. I know that we're drawing close in on this podcast, but there are different ones that I feel like we are definitely hitting. And these aren't all of them. And I'm not going to name all the strongholds. There's not a way I can name all the strongholds. But one of the strongholds is the spirit of jealousy. And this is very hard because it manifests in different things. It can manifest through anger, through competition, through contention, through cruelty, through division, being envious of others by hating people. Um, and jealousy can do a lot. And what we do is we entertain these jealousy and what we end up doing at the roots of the works of all of these, no matter which one that I name you, is the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 tells us that that these are all the things that order from the flesh. And I want to pull up that verse real quick because that verse is something that we we all need to know, we all need to do um, because that names everything for us. And if you can bookmark this, if you can take it, it says, Galatians 5, 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you to you before, that those things, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is because of those that create strongholds in your life that are very hard to battle. And the spirit of jealousy is one of those. Another one, which I had a, do- a talk with my daughter tonight too about this, but is a lying spirit. And how many times do you get off with just saying, oh, that's just a little white lie. Mm-hmm. But a lying spirit is the opposite of what Jesus is and Jesus is truth. That's right. And what we don't realize is that every time that we tell a lie, it becomes easier and easier and easier to tell a lie. And that eventually creates that stronghold. Remember I said in the beginning, the devil will get with us when it, we have to go through a season or we go through something multiple times because a stronghold isn't built once. A stronghold is built through repetition. And the more and more and more that the devil can get us to do something, to get us to act on jealousy, to continue to act on lying, the easier it is for him to create that stronghold for us. And what we have to do is we have to go in and we have to speak against these. That's why I'm naming these spirits or these uh, strongholds, because you are to speak against these. You are to rise up with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus and you speak against these strongholds because these strongholds can be turned down. These strongholds have no have no root when the Lord is there, when God is there, when you take it and you bind the spirit of jealousy, you bind the lying spirit, when you bind those spirits and you pray against them and you pray against the generational curses in your family, you bind those things in the name of Jesus. They don't have time, but you, or they don't have foundation anymore, but you have to name them and you have to call against them to bring them down. Another one is the spirit of fear. And this is a big one right now because there are so many things that can cause fear. But a lot of the times our fear comes from our anxiety, our doubt, our phobias, um, fear of death, fear of like heart attacks, horror. There's, I got a lady I work with, she's a hypochondriac. She fears everything. I mean, there's not something, I mean, if there's something going around, she's going to get it and she knows that she's going to get it. But that is that spirit of fear. You slowly but surely go through and you, you, you lose your sound mind. You lose your sound, like your, your one thing I was watching a show today. And it's this weird show. It's called, uh, oh, I don't even remember now. Anyways, it had Harry Houdini in it. And he was asked, how, how are you so calm when you put yourself in these situations? And he says, fear is only a, a, a image set up in our mind. He's like, if we can take that fear and we can push it away, he was like, then we can just focus on what we need to do. 
And he's right. If we focus on God and we focus on binding those spirits of fear and the spirits of everything else, then we know that we can get to that, that root. And then we got the spirit of perversion. This is also a work of the flesh. We, we pervert everything. We can pervert the Holy Spirit. We can pervert the Bible. We can pervert, I mean, anything. I mean, this comes from abortion, atheism, child abuse, um, contentious spirits, doctrinal errors. When we take something and we try to like move it, sexual perversions, lovers of selves, rebellions, all of it takes it and perverts it. And the hardest part is, is this, this one is probably the main focus that has, that has happened in our world is we have taken God and we've taken the Holy Spirit and we've taken these things and we've slowly perverted them how we want them to be perverted, but we have to speak up against those. That's right. You know, and, and here's the thing, the, the things that, that you have mentioned, you know, maybe if you're listening, you're like, oh, none of those really bother me, but here's, here's the truth of the matter. James 1, chapter 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. There is something that each and every one of us deal with. Yes. And there are, you know, and oftentimes it's different than the person that's sitting next to you. Not always, you know, you know, for instance, the vast majority of men will deal with some kind of sexual sin no, in some form or fashion. Yes. Right. You know, that's, that, that's something that every one of we're built that way. Right. But, you know, maybe, maybe your desire is maybe you have a thing about stealing. Maybe you have a thing about jealousy. Maybe you have a thing about anger. Maybe you have, you, you know, it, just fill in the blank. We are all, we are all tempted in the way that of our own desire. And I think that's, you know, don't, don't think yourself so proud Right. Because that that's one all on its own. You know, what is the original sin? Pride. Yes. You know, and uh, but don't think yourself so proud that that you don't have something that you struggle with. Satan knows your weakness and we all have weakness. We're human. We are not perfect. The, the idea, the idea is that when when we are tempted, when we are tempted, you bring that thought underneath the captivity of Jesus Christ. Right. It's not yes. if you get tempted, it is when you get tempted, you will be tempted by something, some form, some fashion, you know, and obviously not all of us are on our A game all the time. No. Right. I'm not. We're just not. Was. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Uh, you know, life happens, you know, you get tired, you're exhausted, you, you, you work a lot, you do, you know, fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is. And uh, we so often. We so often allow, let our guard down, and that is when Satan will tempt us with our own desire, right? Because he knows, he watches, you know, and stuff like that. Do not fall prey, as these these men at the beginning of this second half that we talked about, you know, the the, the pastors, the youth pastors, the the uh, the worship pastors, all these guys, you know, do not fall prey to to like they did. Do not fall prey like David did and like Saul did, you know, and like uh, Samuel did. You, we have we have to to guard our hearts. And here's the thing: you are not just guarding your heart for yourself. If you are a husband, you are guarding your heart for your wife. Also, if you are a, a father, you are guarding your heart for your children. Also, you are the driving force that will that will permeate throughout the entire family. If you are falling they will be falling. If you are thriving, 
they will be thriving. If you are striving, right? There's that word again, my favorite word. You're striving. They will be striving. If you are in a spirit of apathy, right? Which is, don't even get me started. You know, you want to talk about a stronghold. Let's talk about the stronghold of apathy. You know, they will have the spirit of apathy. Yes. You know, you, they uh, they asked a college group one time, they're like, you know, what is the greatest thing uh, that America deals with today? And they were all like, I don't know and I don't care, right? Apathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you, you know, know, know your weaknesses. Yes. Know your weaknesses. You know, this, this is strategic. It's intentional, right? When we, when we go in with the game plan, it has to be intentional. What is your game plan? Where are your weaknesses? How do you guard against those weaknesses? You know, how do you, how do you get your wife involved to help you guard against those weaknesses? Well, I don't want to tell my wife, why not? She's your helpmate. Right. She's your covering. That's right. You need her in this fight. Yes. You need her. You are one. God has created you not to be separate from her, but together, together you can, I'll tell, I'll just tell this story. This is a little bit embarrassing, but this is truth. When, when I struggle with pornography, right before the Lord had delivered me of it, my wife caught me, right? So what, what we did, it almost ruined my marriage, right? But that's another story for another time. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. But here's the thing. I allowed her to make a game plan, right? I, there were no longer hidden things between any of us. And that's the way it needed to be. She, even today, we're talking, we're talking 14, 15 years later, she has, she still has every password to my, every email address, my phone. She has access to, to everything that I have. Now it's not, it's not, it, it is still safeguard. Right. Because it is still a struggle that I have to, I know my weaknesses. Yes. I know my weaknesses. Therefore I allow her, her to take place. She knows my weaknesses and there, I allow her to be a part of the recovery, plural, the, 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 the stronghold that the, the, the fighting force that fights back that, that temptation, you need her. You, and if you do not, if you're listening, you're like, man, I, I'm not married. Find brothers. Yep find brothers that will be in this fight you cannot do this by yourself no. I, I was telling a guy just just yesterday no it was this morning we were talking and i told him i said i can always tell when somebody's struggling because they isolate themselves you know because that's where that's exactly where satan wants you at you cannot you cannot do this on your own. you're not meant to do this on your your own god made us the relational people for a reason we need brothers and sisters and and wives and and family members to help keep us accountable and help fight this fight we we are not in this fight alone god sent the holy spirit to help with this fight to guide us and give us wisdom and give us knowledge and you as a listener can fight this fight this is something this this episode is something that every single man needs yes period yes and i challenge you there's there's one thing that you do this week and next week every week is you sit down and you figure out what that stronghold is and you name that stronghold and you find scriptures that go against that stronghold, that tear down that stronghold and you pray against it in your family because you are the ultimate warrior for your family. You are the watchman. God has called each of us to watch over our family, to be the leaders of our home. I mean, we, we pray this every single week. God help us to be leaders of our home, our churches and our community. Well, that starts with tearing down the strongholds that the devil has on you and that way that, the, that God can bring in 
the right strongholds, the ones that are biblical, the ones that are foundational, the ones that are going to make sure that they enter you into the kingdom of God. So this week you, you find it, you name it, that stronghold and you tear it down with scripture, with word. That's right. That's right. You don't, and you don't know any scripture, Google it. Yes. That's, that's one of the best things about Google. I, I struggle with blank, you know, give me scriptures that, that, that speak against this yes. anger, whatever it is. Post them in your mirrors, post them in your truck, post them, you know, have them on the background of your phone. I mean, where the word of God is our best fighting chance against the enemy. Yes, it is. And so, brothers, know that we love you. Know that God is for you. He has set a path of victory before you. It is your job to discover it. Know that he has given you victory. And, you know, obviously, I I don't miss, don't forget you can... Uh, contact us real men at palaceofbrains.com maybe you're struggling maybe you need some brothers let us be your brothers email us let us know you can contact us on facebook you can contact us on on instagram uh twitter all that good stuff brothers we are in this fight together we are in this fight together um you, you know don't forget i've got a book coming out in a couple of months there'll be more uh coming out framework for biblical masculinity we need to um uh, there'll be more information coming out here before too long uh, when we have a release date all the good stuff and as always I want to end in a prayer Holy Spirit teach us to be leaders of our homes of our community and of our churches and teach us to be godly courageous men in Jesus name Amen You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen@palaceofpraise.com, or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. 
we gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.